2008. So, so we so we mentioned Amorphous. Uh, so some <laughs> two. So well, for me, three other sets. I'll I'll mention the first one, which is. Mm-hmm. Of no interest to you, given our conversation last year. But uh, so that was the first year that Riverside played Prague Power, uh, and for me that was kind of a religious experience. Like I spent the entire time in the top row of the amphitheater, just with my eyes closed, you know, like trying to pretend I was doing acid or something. Right. Oh, I was gonna say I spent most of that show in a pretty high seat in the amphitheater with my eyes closed, but it was because they were putting me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I know your opinion on Riverside. So yeah. we won't spend too long on them. I mean, you know, I thought they were good. Um, so the other two sets of interest were um, uh, JOP, John Oliver's Pain. Oh, yeah. So I think this was the first year that he played as JOP. Uh, I mean, this was after several other, you know, sabotage ish. Was which year uh, was at WMD? Was WMD. I yeah. can't remember whether it was before this or like the year after this. I mean, I think John Oliva's Pain came out of doing the like WMD and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like WMD was quote unquote sabotage's first ex- first uh, uh, experience playing Prog Power because they weren't allowed. You know, like like they couldn't use the sabotage name. Basically, yeah. is what it came down to. Um, so I feel like it was before this, but I, you know, honestly, I mm-hmm. just don't remember, and I don't have the page pulled up, so sure. you know, whatever. Put it. Cool. So anyway, you know, like he, John Oliver, you know, oozed out onto stage, and it was fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it was, it, you know, it's good. Like, no, I, yeah, no, I, that I one was that. good. He, I liked that is, one. I really liked the WMD and that and that first John Oliver's pain. It was. It wasn't until when he came out, like they put out a John Oliver's pain record. And then they did a John Oliva's Pain set where they played John Oliva's Pain material. That I didn't, I didn't care for, because I didn't care for the material, and um, it was just. You mean like the first part of that where it was a John Oliva's Pain set for like five songs, and then other people. You're right. That's out. what it was. They yeah. did it like that. They did the, the original new stuff first, and then they did the like classic best of sabotage. Yeah, and they brought out. Zach Stevens. Yeah. Yeah, that was our because yeah, the the rest of yeah, that was pretty Circle good. Circle was playing that year at the pre show or something. There's yeah. a lot of overlap between John Oliva's Pain and Circle to Circle too. Yeah, as they far played as the Edge band of Thorn, members. Edge of Thorns at both sets and all that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. Wow. When you mentioned Riverside though, I thought that was interesting because I was not a huge fan, like it was a little bit lighter or more atmospheric than what I would usually listen to. But I really enjoyed their first prog power set and People told me later on that was because they played, I think it's called Near Fest in Pennsylvania or something earlier that year, which is just like a prog rock fest. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. I was told that they concentrated more on their like dreamy, atmospheric, lighter material there, whereas at Prog Power, they concentrated more on uh, heavier, more direct songs. Whereas when they came back last year, they just played a mix of both, so it was a little, a uh, little bit different. I guess I didn't enjoy it as much. But I don't know. They spent a lot of time at uh, in two thousand eight playing songs from uh, Out of Myself, which is probably I mean it's their first and their softest disc, has the least metal metal elements to it, um, and that's you know part of like that's my favorite disc of theirs, and it's not you know not because it isn't metal, but just because I think it's the most inventive mm. right is the most worthwhile to listen to from a musical perspective but um but i mean i didn't you know i liked both sets now you know i have to you know disclaimer right i was a sponsor of riverside last year right mm. so and i you know i really enjoyed their set i mean i mean maybe not maybe not quite as much as leprosy or before but you know it was still pretty good and um 
and it, but it was definitely a different experience from the first time. The first time I had never heard them before live, and they were a brand new band with one album and or you know maybe two albums. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And uh, I was super excited to see them. So I don't think you can top that. Like you can't have that twice with the same band. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like you know, I'm gonna see. Well, hopefully, I'll see Lepers at the end of this month in New York. Um, and it's not going to be the same as yeah, the I mean, first I, time. Or I, actually, for me, the second time at Prog Power at the main show. But. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, like that was... Uh the first time I saw Leprous was a different experience because I didn't know their stuff at all. Right, same and here. And that has only happened like a handful of times. Like the exact experience, I had the same thing with uh, with Spock's Beard. Um, I saw them open and they opened for Dream Theater you know, when Neil Morse was still in the band and they just put out uh, five, their, you know, their five album. And uh, it was like, I had never heard any of their stuff. They only played five songs because they were all really long, but I liked every song and I had to go out and buy like four CDs to get the songs that I heard that I liked because they, they, I was like, oh cool, which album are these on? All of them? Damn it, you know. But it was <laughs> so, like so rare that I see a band and without knowing any of their material... I'm completely like, I don't know this material, but I'm going to because this is super interesting. And Leprous did that, but the kind of experience you're talking about is more like the second time I saw right. Leprous at Prague Park because then I knew their stuff and all they did was play songs I had heard before, knew, and liked. So there's just no going wrong. It was just front yeah, to back. There's up. a reason why people were chanting holy fucking shit after that set, right? It was amazing. Yeah. So anyway, so that yeah. was that was uh, so <laughs> we didn't really talk much about JOP there, but whatever, you yeah. know that's fine. The last set from that year that I would that that I think is of note was uh, was the Ice Earth set, <laughs> which oh, ended in ignominious yeah. fashion. So, I almost fell asleep during that too, though, but, but for different <laughs> reasons. But yeah, J- John Schaefer's uh, guitar rig like shit the bed right at the end of the show, yeah. and you know he had like apparently he had like a song and a half left or something mm. like that. But no, they just, were like, it was just right, half of it. the last song. Yeah. Have a last song. Yeah. Because oh, they always close with that uh, title song. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it, so, yeah, I mean, oh, so at it, that uh, point. Something Wicked? No, no uh, their name. Oh, their Oh, Iced Earth. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, so I had left the uh, the arena maybe a yeah. half hour earlier. I was like, all right. You well, know, that set started 40 minutes late to begin with. with yeah. The, well, the that may have been part of it. Yeah. Like they started bullshit. super late. I was already drunk because we had bought a bunch of beer and we had like gone back to the hotel, drink a bunch of beer. And then we came back. Oh yeah. I started. And so I came. And so I was like dozing off. Also, I just like, that was the point where I realized Iced Earth wasn't the Iced Earth that I used to be into anymore. Even though it was Matt Barlow again, it was like, well, they played a ton of stuff off the, the newer, uh, the like what, the glorious burden or no the, the post after that the, the two after that about the aliens yeah yeah it was like the follow-up it was like something wicked tr- the something wicked trilogy was uh, the prequel okay. to these two big dumb boring albums i'd never listened to yeah, it was framing armageddon and, yeah uh, and and they basically did the they basically it was when iced earth started trying to sound like blind guardian for some reason and they did all the crazy layering and stuff but that was not what i wanted in my iced earth and and they added so many layers oh, that man, they already put out was, that album. It was the same thing that happened in Blind Guardian, where they had too much layering, so that it gets this sort of like orchestra of you know guitars or whatever. But it it's uh, it's very full, but it can't be as percussive and like like thrashy because there's too much stuff on top. You know, you can have your but on top of it, you've got like you know all the like 
uh, orchestra, you know, pseudo orchestral, probably like a few guitars and keyboards or whatever. Symphonic. But yeah, they it's hired just one like, of those Eastern European orchestras that, that do it cheap. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they uh, after that, Matt Barlow left after that one album mm-hmm. because they wanted to tour more than he could get time off. Yeah. Um, they cut that shit out again and got just more stripped down. Uh, more See, I don't even. What if? Uh, Wait a minute. What year? You mean after this album? No, after the two uh, orchestral concept albums. They in okay. 2011 they got the new singer Stu Block. And so Barlow. Oh, that's again. right. That's the new guy. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. They they went a little bit, but that was the thing. Like uh, I also uh, Stu Block is good, but they. You're right. They they stripped it down again, but I it's still just like. I don't know if it's if it's him. Or just the writing at this point, but well, in in Iced Earth, Stu Block is more or less trying to impersonate Matt Barlow, right? And I think that might be part of what bugs me is because I'm like, why is this guy doing a voice? <laughs> like, you've got, what are you guys talking about right now? Uh, Rock Power Nine, two thousand eight. Yeah, so she, she's got things to say about do I? that. I do you, Amorphous? Yeah, if you have something interesting to say about Amorphous, now's the time, because we went through Amorphous and we were like, yeah, you know, they were good. I don't have anything witty to say about them, so we're just going to move on. Really? Yeah, no, it was a great show. Yeah, that's what I said. That's, yeah, yeah, do you have anything more amusing to say about it? Well, that was the last time they toured the U.S. I just like to say that I think at the time, a lot of people weren't really aware of Amorphous at the time, and so they were first introduced to Amorphous probably... At that time. And they were like, oh my God, there's a black guy on stage at Prague Power? Yeah. <laughs> and it was pretty, pretty fucking good. There were a couple, there were a couple people who were really already into them. And then ever since then, I've been into Amorphous since they played at Prague Power. They were pretty phenomenal at the time. So, you know. That's a good point. Cause I'm probably like a little myopic about it because I was into them since like 1996 or something, but they really did gain a bigger following uh, around that time with. You know, well, they, in my opinion, they stand out because they have put out a just their consistency is really high, like in terms of the quality of the stuff. And you're not writing anything particularly original. Uh, it's like melodic, death, folky death metal, right? But yeah, they changed a lot from the first five right, albums. Yeah, they changed a lot. But the last six or so albums have been of uh, shockingly high consistency, yeah. just uh, quality. Yeah, know? I agree. So. But uh, yeah, you know what? I don't have anything to say about the performance either because it was that good that it just didn't. Nothing stands out as terrible. Here's what stands out. Well, yeah, yeah. It's (laughs) unfortunately it's really the bad stuff that we remember (laughs) so well and want to talk. about. Can we talk about Firewind again? Because that was fun. (laughs) Here's what stands out with Amorphous is that he had the singer had. No one one can see you rubbing that microphone on your chest. (laughs) Can I just say that if that was a girl rubbing the microphone like that there would be just an oh my god why is that girl rubbing the microphone right we'd be talking about a very different context (laughs) (laughs) are we are we because he was just rubbing the microphone against his tits right no i'm saying if it was if it had been a woman at rock fire doing it it there would have been been a very different connotation to this situation yes mostly it was just a few of us otherwise people were just kind of like what is he doing yeah like what if it was a chick everyone would be like oh my god it's pornographic yeah tits how dare you yeah, we talked Sorry, yesterday about Damien Wilson and uh, <laughs> when he brought a friend out and people lost and their minds. And got butthurt about it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. You know what? Not oh, surprising. Oh! <laughs> I don't Sorry, think I'm what was that? that? Am I editing this out? I said, fuck Lance King. No, I mean, the guy's a douche, seriously. Yeah. I have... 
nothing Mm-mm. to uh, add to that statement, actually. I will neither confirm nor deny that statement. <laughs> Shop at Nightmare Records for all of your bands no one will ever hear of needs. for an for an extra special premium for, on all your cds <laughs> do you want to be on a record label but not have it matter <laughs> nightmare <laughs> records uh, he's kind of like the anchor man of metal and labels <laughs> i i'm a big deal people know me yeah yeah <laughs> uh, all right so, yeah. so oh, anyway so iced earth so uh, <laughs> iced earth, iced earth that year, yes. Yeah. Didn't they play a uh, uh, storm, uh, storm rider? Night of the, uh, night of the storm, uh, night of the storm rider. Uh, yeah, whatever it's called, you yeah. know what it rider, is. Rider, storm rider. They, play, yeah. they they often play that song. Yeah. Storm yes. rider. Is that the name of it? Storm rider. Yeah, night of the storm rider. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, yeah. it's a good probably song. the best song on that. It's a good case. album. Well, that's uh, the. the Key thing know. about that one is that John Schaefer no, sings it himself. Desert the Rain goes is in the, the best song on that disc. And John Schaefer sings it. Yeah, Desert Rain. Desert is a Rain. Song. Um, Pure Evil is pretty good if you're into like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the Pure top, screamy travel and stuff. Well, no, I mean, Pure Evil has a has a galloping beat too. Yeah, like, like, yeah. like battery or something. I just like to say that Matt Barlow tonight was unfortunately. I. Speaking of former Ice vocalists. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, we got that. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of, yeah, because the pyramids played tonight. That's that's why Kelly he sounded him phenomenal up, yeah. back in two thousand eight uh, when when they played. Um, but uh, unfortunately, tonight with pyramids, well, you know sound what? Was I, I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, maybe no one's fault. It may just be. A yeah, there might have been like glitch. monitor issues or something. Because at first I was like, oh, maybe the the current pyramids singer isn't as bad as I think. Maybe he just couldn't <laughs> hear them because he. His pitch was uh, and it was the, off, and it was too much. and that's weird was because their songs like mostly stayed on one chord. Like the first yes, half of their set, yes. it was just all same like, same-y. same chord. I was like, "What is going and, on?" And 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 he was still like out, out of key, and I was yes. like, "How are what you not able to stick to this one note you have to sing?" <laughs> and I think it was the monitors, maybe, but maybe, uh, maybe. but but then Barlow, Barlow and Lance King were still so much better than him that yes. I was like he was yeah, still yeah he was still right. off I was, well, you yeah. could tell that Barlow, Barlow was doing his thing there, he was yeah. doing his thing yeah. Barlow was doing his thing but, but it, everything was so muddled in the backtracking that there was yeah. no and way Barlow's, to really Barlow's always like I've, I've heard stuff that he's um uh like you know in the studio he he's he's some people in the studio you hear like people they take a little longer to track vocals and stuff because um, you know, there it, it takes a while to nail some of the pitches and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't be sure. It's just you know, sometimes live, you know, it's a little hard to hear whatever. And uh, I'll, I'll cut him a little slack for that. It, it's yeah, uh, but I get what you're saying. I, I did think no, I was expecting it to be more interesting than Ashes of Aries because I thought Pyramids was at least like fake prog, but they're not. They're not even like a little they were heavier just, tonight just than power they sound metal. on album it's good yeah. power metal i mean some of it's uh, good okay agree to disagree. i like agree to disagree. i like the first i really like the first album the other one yes i don't actually know Barlow's the material stuff but is a little bit heavier than a lot of the lance king album stuff which is really where i got into it not because i'm on the intro and the outro i actually just genuinely would have been a barlow fangirl <laughs> since iced earth thank you very much but oh, I, he's awesome and so i think i think his is, the harshness of his vocals really brings something different to pyramids that they needed at the time because mm. after the pureness of Lance King that has been fine. It's not been bad at all. He's got a great vocal range, but it was samey samey after a while yeah. and he needed to do other stuff. And I think they brought a new fan base with 
adding Barlow to the ticket. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think he, yeah. they're they're p- more popular now because of Barlow yeah. than they ever yeah. have been. And, but my reaction to the the set tonight, because um, okay, so just to to clarify, we're now talking about a set <laughs> that we just saw today at this year's Prague Power, as opposed to 2008. But it's the same um, singer. But it's the same singer, right. Matt Barlow, who previously sang with Iced Earth, and uh, has did an album with Pyramaze and Lance King previously sang with Balance of Power and like five other bands who he did like one album with each and then one of them being Pyramaze and so then tonight they did this set where they had both Matt Barlow and Lance King each come out for like two songs but first there was like three or four songs with the current singer and I was like this is a great way to show everybody uh, how mediocre your current singer is because <laughs> you have these other dudes come out and just be way better. Right, it's and like, you know, if I'm doing an A-B listening test on this, yeah. it's that pretty really is clear yeah, who the better yeah, singer is. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt Barlow is pretty good. And uh, Well, I mean, going back to the Ice Earth thing, I mean, yeah. I hate Ice Earth. And so I was so happy to hear <laughs> that that the the show ended in a in a complete shit, right? Like, like yeah. Right, so, like so yeah, Schaefer's... Just, Guitar rig shit the bed. Yeah. It just like stopped. And they were like, you know, halfway through the last song, according to Samit. Yeah. So they're like, all right, fuck it. We're not going to fix this shit. Well, yeah. they tried to fix it, but then they couldn't figure out what the fuck was wrong. So they're just like, and that was the last wrong. performance of the festival that year. Yep. That was the Saturday yeah. night. <laughs> that was like, yeah, so it was kind of like anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, show's over. That, see you next year. Yeah, I remember we saw people walking back. So we were in the residence courtyard at the time, right. and we saw people walking back, and we're like, oh, is show end? And I think it was Metal Rose, actually, who came by and was like, yeah, Schaefer's rig shit the bed. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that the year that uh, Glenn was allowing a little bit of moshing? I thought uh, that was Primordial, the year of Primordial. There's been a few artists where moshing was allowed, like Forbidden, uh, Sanctuary. Who? What other thrash band, the classic thrash band played beside I wouldn't Forbidden. be surprised Sanctuary because I've noticed the last Overkill. few times that yeah. seeing no, By the time that, Overkill came, it was like just yesterday there was moshing for Dragon Force. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. not surprising. Dragon Force. Actually, it is surprising because there's nothing really to... Mosh to with Dragon Force. It's just a bunch of Mario shit. But anyway, yeah, it's fast, so people can. How do you mosh to Mario? Well, Well, I mean, you give yourself a fucking concussion moshing to uh, Dragon Force. Well, I'll tell you this: Dragon Force (laughs) has one song based on uh, Castlevania, and they actually showed Castlevania on the screens while they were playing that song. So So, yeah, you're not wrong. That's actually kind of cool, though. It's Castlevania. I mean, well, cool isn't the word I would use, but nerdy. Yes, that is the word I would use. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Awesome, um, but anyway, real quick, back to Matt. Uh, or not Matt, but uh, yeah, as far as moshing, uh, Sanctuary, I wouldn't be surprised because I've noticed the last, I saw, I saw them a couple times and, or I guess three times, they played uh, Prague Power, Heavy Montreal, and in New York with Symphony X. And he really likes to like insist right. that you mosh. Yeah, he is he, like, he this is not optional. Definitely. I want to see a mosh bit. And we're like, whirl. Like, just be glad there's people here for your band <laughs> from the 80s and play more songs. Wait, who's yeah. this? World, yeah, World, World, Dane. World Dane? Sanctuary, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Nevermore, yeah. His, yeah. his solo album was pretty good, though. Featuring was, uh, Matt Wicklin from Ghost Show Octavius. Yes, I know. Yes. Well, that was a yeah. really damn good album. You know, I'm say. just going to say just that. Just going like, to plug that in there shamelessly. The combination of World Dane's vocals and uh, and and uh, vocal melodies and uh, Jeff Loomis's guitar really yes. made Nevermore as awesome as they were. Yeah, like I don't think they're I don't I don't think World Dane's 
uh, solo stuff or Jeff Loomis's post Nevermore output is anywhere near as good. Like either right. of them to, uh, well, apart is not as good as both yeah, together. I I I, I agree, um, and uh, it's interesting because yeah, I w- I have to wonder um, on the Loomis side of it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if you know in some ways Whirl reined him in a little because like he just like the stuff that he did immediately after was just so wanky and like I don't know. He's just like, I'm going to play all the arpeggios. Well, yeah, I mean, well, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not listening to Nevermore for like, you know, for like wankiness or all right. the notes. What I'm saying right? is like, I'm listening right. For and what like, I'm saying is they, they, uh, that was always a good thing about Nevermore is, is the technicality was there, but it was always, it was like part of the riffs and stuff, you know, like they had really cool riffs that had cool stuff in them. It wasn't just, I mean, he had his solo stuff, obviously is very technical too, but I don't mean solo stuff. I mean, his solos, like his lead stuff, but I mean like in terms of like in the songs, well, right, the so riffs added a lot to it because they had interesting rhythms implied in them and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, not even just the riffs. So, so I'm, you know, I'm going to make a fool of myself with like musical terminology, but like I, I believe some years ago I asked somebody about um, what was the technical term for what Loomis was doing behind, the chorus in Born is like oh it's like it's an arpeggio mm. right I don't know what I don't know actually yeah. what that is but an that, arpeggio that, is that, when you you play the notes of a chord individually so and so and that's what he was doing behind behind that chorus yeah and it sounded fucking awesome right I mean that's like that's one of those things that Nevermore did that not too many bands do like they have this sort of attention to detail that makes that that adds layers to the song it's not just the first thing you hear there are many things there are other things behind it that are just as interesting yeah that's kind of what i would say winter sun does a lot too if uh, you actually dissect their stuff it's completely off of subject sorry but it really that's really what they do uh, they've got multiple layers to their shit and nevermore um definitely was one of those bands that really kind of kind of solidified the style of that i'd say i kind of felt with nevermore as well it was part of it was the producer like Maybe it was just because I discussed it with Neil Kernan and he was like, you know, we really wanted to make it intricate and detailed. But I felt that continued even when they changed over to use Andy Sneap. And it only really fucked up when they used Kelly Gray for that one album and yeah, they had to yeah. remix it. Yeah, that was not yeah. good. Well, I hope everyone has learned their lesson about Kelly Gray by now. <laughs> everyone but Jeff Tate. Um, so yeah, that I, that, re- that remix of Enemies of Reality was like a revelation because it's like yeah. I already well, like these right, songs. I already I was the like, songs. man, they're great. Now songs, they don't man. sound like yeah, shit. Exactly. It doesn't <laughs> sound like they're buried in six feet of mud. Yeah. Well, I have a serious question about Sanctuary. Mm. What will the '90s bring? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, no, I know. Uh, I, I'm with you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I we, like we uh, in, when I saw them in New York. One of the times we saw them, I remember having the same similar conversation. Like, come on, world, what will the nineties? Well, remember at Dragon Con, the Transformers in two thousand five. The whole fucking room starts cracking up. Yeah, there were there were a lot of there was a lot of cracking up during that thirty minutes we were there. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, well, what um, I love, okay, so off topic again, you know, what I loved about the, the Transformers movie, you know, they're trying to sell toys, right? So they have this one toy that's a that's a microscope, and it's used <laughs> in the film as, as a, like telescope. a telescope. <laughs> and it's like, they just tr- they just make the, tr- the, the robots transform for the sake <laughs> of saying, hey, look what these things can do. 
Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Off topic. Totally, totally, totally off topic. But so back to Winter Sun. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh. Did not play at Prague Power. Off topic. Yeah. Uh, Ice Earth. We were talking about Ice Earth. Ice yeah, Earth, yeah. 2008. Um, yeah. How much? More yeah. Is there so to say? I really liked. Uh, yeah. So here's what I think. My Ice Earth thing is that I really liked them between like really from burnt offerings to horror show because I liked them with so Matt all Barlow. Three albums. Well, no. Oh, no sorry, that was four albums. It was Burnt Offerings, Dark... The Dark Saga. Dark Saga, Dark Something Saga, Wicked. Something Wicked, and then Horror Show. I think Horror Show was right after Something Wicked. Yeah, 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 that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it was but that's only like a third of the albums they put out now, because they put out right. a whole bunch of garbage after that. Wait, so you didn't like well, Night of the Storm Rider? No, well, here's the thing. I like Night of the... Uh, my, my favorite... The No, let me... The Ice Earth I probably listened to the most was actually Days of Purgatory, which yeah. was a, a best sense. of, but with certain things redone, yep. which in this case was good because the stuff before it sounded pretty bad. And yeah, everything with that didn't have Barlow was uh, he re-recorded vocals for that. And yeah. then Jim Morris remixed the entire thing. Yeah. Their newer production. So it sounded better. And I thought the songs from, there's a bunch of great songs on Stormrider, but I really liked them with Barlow a lot more than I liked them with the other guy. And especially like Desert Rain. Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, I, I listened to Stormrider too a few times and it's still good, but I just always listen to it and I go, I want the other guy and also it to not sound so thin. Well, but yeah, at this point, at this point, I want to throw, you know, put a shout out for uh, First Strike Del- Still Deadly by Testament, which is a song of com- of complete re-recordings of several of their album, early works, yeah. which which is um, Sorry, what did I say? You said song. It's yeah. an album well, of yeah, it's an album of re-recording yeah, the first two albums. Yeah, right, and and uh, like you can actually hear the melodies, right? It's not mm-hmm. just like a layer of mud, and you know, like of course, classic classic Testament fans are like, oh, what is this shit, right? But I mean, I really enjoyed. They it. They should have just remastered the original album. Yeah, if they had the original tracks, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, they would, uh, remaster is not sufficient. Yeah, they have to remix, remix that shit. Yeah. Okay, so. whatever. Fine. I don't know the technical stuff. The yeah. point is that's <laughs> ideally they just do that, and yeah. it sounds more full. And yeah, yeah. So uh, that's like you know my biggest exception to usually not liking that kind of thing, because um, usually when bands do that, you know, it's like the material is old enough that they wrote better stuff anyway. And like, yeah, now it sounds modern now, but like, who cares? But in that particular case, I listened to that more than I listened to storm rider or burnt offerings, the, the actual albums. I had those albums too, but I listened to the, the same songs on days of purgatory more cause they just sound better. Um, and yeah, days of purgatory actually had every track from Night of the Stormrider. It's missing one. like one. Yeah, yeah. And, right. So I basically you just listen to Stormrider on there. Although I think they're out of order, but I they don't are. care. Like, what's Stormrider about? What's Night of the Stormrider about? The Stormrider and Evil how guy he destroys the world. <laughs> what is it? Uh, fight on, right? Ride, ride on Stormrider. Stormrider. Storm yeah. Fight on, grab on Stormrider. Stormrider. Storm yeah. I used to just joke. That's the thing. The song Stormrider is kind of silly, and so I just kind of joke about it a lot. Wait, but wait, metal is silly? Okay, whatever. Yeah, so well, yes. My, you know what? I, I hate Ice Earth. The only Ice Earth period that I, that I enjoyed, even kind of, was the Tim Owens era. 
and the like framing Armageddon. Is it framing Armageddon that? Yeah, that was so, the yeah, first he did, one. Of the no, two. no, yeah. that was, I thought that was the second. The first one was yeah, the no, Glorious Burden. The Glorious Burden was the first okay. one that he was on, right. and that was about various historical topics. Right, right. But I didn't, then I didn't like Armageddon that one, but Framing Armageddon, I really enjoyed. But that was yeah, the first see, of a two-part... Uh, and my, yeah. my feeling was like, f- and, and, he, and he fired Ripper for Barlow to come back. Right, yeah. which and sucked. I, I, I thought I felt, Ripper was great. Right, I felt like that was like taking a Corvette and trading it out for like a Honda Civic, which is a good car, reliable. Well, you know, I know a lot of people who love Barlow. Right, I mean, they just yeah. Well, yeah, right. so yeah. There well, you go. especially no, I, I, I like Barlow. I'll be. But yeah, I was really born in '87. Yeah. But like <laughs> I like Full when disclosure. they when when Barlow left and they got Ripper, I was like, wow. I mean, I, I didn't think that it was an upgrade, but it was totally different sound. Yeah, but it was one that I think worked for that music, and yeah. so I was okay with that. And I was not. I was never a huge fan of the later Barlow stuff. Like something wicked this way comes is very generic sounding to me. Like it sounds like it sounds to me like it could have been. Like farted out by some it's, sort of music generation program. The, right? the it deal just with, was not that. It was well, just not right. that interesting. Here's my deal with something wicked. The trilogy at the end, yeah, exactly, is the best thing I think they ever wrote. Yeah. But the rest of the album is mediocre. The rest of the album is is John Schaefer's uh, heavy song, light song, heavy song, yeah. light well, song. And well, it's no, like, and and it is one ballad. He knows well, how to right. write, one and it's coming after. And he produces it like. Right, it's coming after the Dark Saga, which was like their most simple, straightforward, like verse chorus song kind of album. And then, so then something wicked, it was like there was still a lot of that with like, yeah, some ballady kind of stuff. And then, but the trilogy at the end, something wicked was pretty awesome and had the proper, like, you know, uh, thrashy stuff. Well, here's a question Are most people who are not Barlow fans more fans of Tim the Ripper Owens? Or are neither really hitting their sweet spot at I, all? I, I mean, have no idea. I think if you're not a Barlow because fan, you're probably not that much of a nice Earth fan to begin with. So. I'm, okay. okay, I'm yeah. not a I'm not a Ripper fan per se, but he's clearly a far superior vocalist. Yeah, he's definitely. I mean, he's got a he's yeah. got a huge range. He's got a bigger range than he's Barlow. got a. Yeah. He, he, I mean, there's a reason yeah. why he replaced Rob Halford and Judas Priest. Sure. Yeah, he well, has a, a superior Barlow, range. Barlow doesn't have a huge range. range. He mostly has. Like he jumps, Agreed. he can do, he can do basically, he can jump from, he has his, you know, low like chest voice and then he kind of jumps up into his head voice to do the screamy stuff. But, um, I don't even care about the high shit. I like his like lower yeah. baritone type of vocals. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's like, like, and that the high shit, he really like, you can, that's the one thing you can really see like, uh, live that, um, some of the high stuff they do on the albums was like, okay, he managed to do that once in the studio. Like, especially on like horror show where they had him do some ridiculous, like, uh, like, uh, that, like the Dracula song or whatever was just all this crazy, like yeah. high falsetto stuff. And I, I don't know if I've seen them, them do that live, but like, I'm sure it was. They played that live many times. I saw them on that tour and yeah. that song was fine when Barlow did it but then they played once uh, he left shortly after that and then uh, Ripper joined the band they played that like every show during the time yeah. he was in the band well because Ripper perfect. loves singing yeah, he was in his fucking head yeah. voice yeah he loves fucking Tim which Ripper is why I couldn't that. oh my god the um uh the fucking uh in the glorious burden because I tried to listen to it I tried to like it. I, yeah, love, I love that Gettysburg trilogy. Oh, I could not deal with Waterloo. As someone who got yeah. into Tim Ripper Owens, not from Iced Earth, which I, since I'm coming from a different, slightly different generation here, um, I got into him from Beyond Fear, which was a very obscure, 
um, side project of his, which was kind of more on the rock end of things, but he's, his range was still, of course, because it's Tim the Ripper Owens, mm. it was phenomenal. So what's really funny is I got into Iced Earth during the Barlow years, and at the same time I got, someone was like, oh, Tim the Ripper Owens used to be on Iced Earth, and they were like, but you should check out Beyond Fear. And so I got Beyond Fear, and I was like, hey, this is some cool shit too. So I come from like both fangirl worlds. Like I, I love Tim the Ripper Owens, and I love Barlow, and I love him differently. And Barlow's got a little bit more gruff. He doesn't have the best range compared to Owens, but he's got character, so that kind of like evens everything out for me. So it's, yeah. it's good well, shit. Well, they have very different voices too. Yeah. Like, um, and my thing was I didn't like uh, the song I I basically just laughed at on Glorious Burden was uh, Red Baron because just yeah, he just keeps that Red Baron. Like it's just like, and I was like, the, the, I was like, what are you doing? The problem, what? Is, the problem with that song is that's the one song that he wrote, and he's not a good oh, songwriter. Like yeah. he did a oh, yeah. Oh, that explains album. it. He I didn't did a know you wrote album that after he left Iced Earth, and it was terrible. Oh. Like he wrote it himself, and it was terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, that makes that sense. explains some things. <laughs> yeah, there no, I was just like, what? What is this crap? Um, yeah. So I mean, I he's better at the screamy stuff. He has more control, but I don't always like the way he does it. Um, like he's a really good singer. I just don't always like his style, partially because because he because I can I can hear that he still is like you know this dude started off just you know in a Judas Priest tribute band. Yeah, like you, you can still hear it. But. <laughs> yeah, him and that he he was in that first band that he was in. Who's I can't remember the name of the band. Um, uh, they were called Winter's Bane. That's what they were called. Winter's Bane. Winter is Bane. Oh, Bane. I'm like, Bing? What? Yeah, and they released an album in the early 90s called Heart of a Killer. And it was a really good power metal, American power metal album. And his vocal stylings and vocal range on that was like fantastic. Like he showed off every octave he had. And that band used to do sets where they would uh, first come out as a Judas Priest tribute band and be like dress up like Judas Priest. And then they'd come out and do their own material as as themselves. And so he left that to join Judas Priest. And so after that, obviously, he went to Iced Earth. But, um, yeah, I mean, so... So what? So what is he doing now? I'm sorry. Now he's, like, just, like, farting around. He joined Ingve <laughs> for a little while. He put out his own solo album, which sucked. Um, I think he's done guest slots on uh, other bands. Wow. What is God, this? what are you... Yeah, so this is an example of one of Ice Earth's terrible power ballads, <laughs> right? This is the kind of shit that I hate about this band. Oh. And so this is off Something Wicked This Way Comes. And this I actually is like the other me. one on this album, though. This is the bad one. There's, like, two power ballads. Consequences is a better one, yeah. Yeah, you know, but, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm trying to demonstrate, also, like, like, one of those things this about is this is about his friend dying, and me. the lyrics, literally the first line is, uh, I had a friend many years ago, one tragic night he died. And I'm like, are you kidding me with those lyrics? This song was well, supposed I, to be on one of and then he died. I was real sad. I feel Come for on. him, but like I don't want him to write a shitty song about it. Right? right. I mean, he could write a good song. Write about a better it. song about it. Right? No, write a good song about your dead friend. Like, no, this song actually like because he was already talking about doing a collaboration with Hansi Kirsch, even, even this far back, and this song was supposed to be for that, and mm. then he was like, ah, fuck it, I'm putting on an Ice Earth album. Yeah, so his guitar tone, or maybe not the tone, but like he lost that edge. Like this is, like this tone is awesome. Like this is fucking Ice Earth guitar tone. But 
Yeah, well, it's exactly the same guitar tone that appears in Alive in the Studio. I mean, Alive in Athens <laughs> in the following year. Yeah, yeah. But they lost some of this on the two concept albums, but on their most recent two, they've brought back yeah. more stripped down. Okay, yeah. See, I haven't listened to a whole lot of more recent stuff because, again, I, I I heard Stu and it sounded like uh, it was more... Stu is more like... It was like hearing Ripper doing an impression of Matt Barlow... Except when he was doing Ripper songs, in which case it was it was just doing an impression, Stu doing an impression of Ripper. Yeah. But it was like such a weird, like I don't know. I, I was like, I guess it works. It was also just not a thing I was interested in at that point in time. Like, sure. Like I can't imagine an Ice Earth record that I would be like, I'm back on board. Ice Earth's my shit because partially I just know it's like it's not the same band. John Shaver's not the same guy, and he's you know like I don't know maybe when you go crazy. And like maybe after Sons of Liberty, he just he was never gonna get it back, you know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I have to say, I like I like the uh, the Glorious Burden and whatever the the EP was around that. The EP was just the uh, the trilogy at the end of Something Wicked, yeah. re-recorded with Ripper and with some different effects. And oh really? Effect. No, there was something else. I think it was a cover song or something. Yeah, it was like you know, it was like like the Civil War or something, but it wasn't the Civil War. I can't. Oh, you mean the Gettysburg trilogy? Yeah, the Gettysburg. That trilogy. was the last three yeah. songs yeah. of uh, the Glorious Burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, I thought that I thought that stuff was pretty good. Like, I really enjoyed it. That was that was what got me into Ripper, mm-hmm. as you know, as a vocalist for Iced Earth. Yeah. Um, and Framing Armageddon. I mean, I listened to it a few times, but you know, I guess I just was sort of used to the Glorious Burden, and I was kind of over Iced Earth. And like, eh, you know what? I think I have enough Iced Earth. Yeah, I was so, basically over him by that point. Let me, I mean, yep. I'm Go just ahead. gonna ask a question. Go ahead. Gauge the uh, opinions of you guys about this, but you know, um, um, Schaefer. So Barlow leaves, right? Because mm-hmm. he's gonna become a copper or something. Yeah. And then, because 9/11 happened, so he decided right. to become a police officer. Something like that. So then, so then Ripper gets kicked out of priest. Well, yeah, and Schaefer says Halford returns. Obviously, yeah. he's right, gone. right. No, I mean, obviously, I know the reason why, right? Kind of um, ironic that you know, considering when Barlow returned. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Ripper. So is Schaefer? This is the thing I've always wondered about about this scenario. Ripper's profile is elevated significantly, like yeah. Having been in Judas Priest, is Schaefer thinking? I'm going to hire Ripper. Yes. And that's going to elevate the profile of my band. Like, yes. how yeah, did, how did Ice so. Earth's profile... No, I'll tell you I think he, and I think it worked. Yeah, I remember, the, I, mean, I remember the interviews and stuff back then. Like, he was... Barlow expressed some doubts uh, when they were recording The Glorious Burden, because he recorded a lot of the uh, the vocals for it already. And he expressed some doubts, like, maybe I don't want to do this anymore, maybe I want to leave. And Schaefer convinced him to continue, and they recorded some of the vocals, and they both agreed after listening to him that didn't sound right that Barlow wasn't really into it and so then they agreed that Barlow's going to leave the band and Schaefer immediately targeted uh, Owens to join the band like he knew that's the guy he wanted you know if he could get him to agree to do it and so he did and he didn't specifically say well he was in Judas Priest so this will increase our popularity but I mean that couldn't have been you know oh god I don't even remember this song (laughs) this is another one of Barlow's uh, sorry, of 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 Schaefer's terrible, uh, yeah, terrible. I like this one a lot, to be honest with you. Oh wait, is it this? It just sounds so generic to me. I don't, I don't, I don't deny that at all. Well, yeah, like I said, this is my whole point. Like this whole album um, was like okay, but then you get to the trilogy at the end, and you're like, there's.
here's Iced Earth. That's where they were. Yeah, the trilogy at the end is fine, but the rest of the album sounds like it was like a song generator. Yeah, like that's what's yeah, wasn't whole, that interesting. Right, because right? they're not... Because no. you go from, like, what he's good at, which is writing, like, thrash... Like, he wrote, like, the fucking, like, Dante's Inferno, this, like, this, like 20-minute song right. about the circles of hell, and it was actually pretty good, like, considering how many worst 20-minute songs... This, <laughs> like, there was a point where, like, at least I thought... The majority of like people putting out concept albums, long complicated songs, they mostly I didn't there weren't a lot a ton of misses that I encountered in like the late nineties, early two thousands with that stuff. Because people who wanted to do that were the people who could do it. But then at some point, like there all these new dudes showed up to for this kind of stuff. Well we have to do it. And they were like, you know what we're gonna do, man? Oh, we're gonna write this long ass song, it's gonna be so cool. And I listened to it and I was like, What? Have you listened to any of the good ones? Like, why Oh anyway, um, but yeah, this, uh, uh, this, they, yeah, they all of a sudden, although, like, the closest they got, the Dark Saga works pretty well, considering it is made up of, like, short three to five the Dark minute Saga songs works mostly. Pretty well, but then on this album, he kind of wanted to recreate that to some degree. Right, but without, like, a, a reason. Yeah, like, because the Dark Saga was 10 tracks, and then this album is 13 tracks, so it's like on the first 10 tracks. He wanted to do that, but just more generically. Yeah. So he did heavy song, light song, like, heavy song, light song. Like this song, he could have just like yeah. I don't even remember this song, and I used to listen to this album a bunch. I like, do, but I listened to I listened the fuck out of this album back in the day. But um, then yeah, he did that, and then the last three songs, he was like, well, I want to start this trilogy, and then eventually do more with it. So mm-hmm. he did kind of his own stir thing with the with those last three. Yeah, which I mean is interesting because I guess it's kind of a compromise that way. You get like the first like. Two thirds of the album is kind of like Dark Saga, a little more accessible songwriting, and then you have the sort of old school, longer, thrashier, you know, yeah. conceptual thing at the end. Um, but I will give him, give him some credit though on Horror Show. Mm. He finally managed to break away from the stereotypical types of songs he does, uh, like somewhat lighter. Somewhat yeah, but heavier. because he started writing Blind Guardian songs instead, <laughs> like that was like li- li- literally like you listen, and it went from. Demons and Wizards to that and you hear like because basically on Demons and Wizards Hanzi must have like told him how they do shit in Blind Guardian because Demons and Wizards had like a kind of hybrid sound to it which was cool but it was like but don't take it back to your day job and turn Iced Earth into like more I don't need another Blind Guardian well supposedly on the first Demons and Wizards album at least uh, Schaefer wrote all the music and Kirschler wrote all the lyrics but I mean there's must have been some bleeding yeah one way or the other so. yeah well and the first one um it was sounded more iced earth yeah. than the second one sounded a little close because that was the, he was already he was sliding that way yeah yeah i don't know i i think he works better with the sparseness especially because again he's got this super aggressive guitar tone yeah. and like these are pretty sparse songs but it works because you've got that cutting guitar tone but then if you layer that up it's not going to cut anymore it's going to be a wall of that and i just anyway let's stop talking about it can we can we just can we can we just start can you just play can the we stop listening to this crappy song too but on like the first the first vocal track on framing i'm again i just want sure. i want to hear some movement i want to hear some okay. moment there's an intro Go track for it. and then, the then we'll listen to red baron <laughs> red baron Max. But that song about Waterloo on that album was fucking amazing, in my opinion. So you I want which it. the uh, first, uh, like the not overture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So something right. wicked part one. I guess so. Whatever the name, whatever it's called, it's right. the second track. It's not the intro track. It's the, here we go. 
We'll probably have a patented Google Music pause like that. <laughs> or maybe two. All <laughs> oh, right, and this is... That is the shit. This <laughs> is the first that. song from the Something Wicked trilogy, redone, yeah, well, completely these lyrics, redone. These lyrics are, the, are from the Something Wicked trilogy, and they kind of... Oh, they redid it like a different... Yeah, they, they took... Those lyrics and put them into this song uh, because it's supposed to sort of recall. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's, you're right. Because I recognize the lyrics, but you're right. The the song's different. I just love that nastiness in his voice. <laughs> yeah, rapper's great. So great. So anyway, sorry. Look, I'm. I mean, I'm not a Barlow fan, right? I mean, I don't dislike Barlow. I don't dislike I just, Barlow. I either. just think that Ripper is was really good for Ice Earth. So made Ice made me want to listen to Ice Earth again, which had ended with something wicked because I was just bored by it. Yeah, so this album's pretty badass. So I think that pretty much does it for uh, for 2009. Prog Power 9. Uh, sorry, 2008 Prog Power 9. Right? It's just kind of annoying how the year is one off from the right. uh, number. Yeah, and I can never remember, never remember which direction it is that it's off. Everybody so. does it. Everybody, yeah. at one point or another, makes the mistake. But they're like, yeah, wait a minute, is it 2018 yet? No. Okay. Yeah. So 2009, uh, we had... Uh, there weren't too many sets of notes. This was one of the generally weaker years, I feel like. But one of those Wait. sets was well a weaker year. I mean, Diablo it was Diablo. it was the year it was Pop Power Ten, so it was the year where he brought he the entire Saturday night lineup was ninety minute sets consisting of returning bands. Right, right, and so you had yeah. So the the standout was DSO, right? Well, the standout gimmick band was DSO. Well, no, this gimmick band. No, they were great yeah. live. I still have gimmicky. No how an album? How are they gimmicky? You know, I'm gonna leave this one to Matt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was some bullshit. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like them at all. I was expecting I, I really it to be interesting. Them. I'm just. I was really expecting to going to into it because I saw the preview and then I listened to them a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay, I see. This could be interesting. Well, but a lot then, of bands like, are like that. But then I actually saw them and I was just like, no, this well, is not the gimmicky? way I wanted this to go at all. I think. This I think not what I. As like you know, uh, the suds falling from the ceiling or ghosts dressing up as it's well ghosts. But I mean, but, yeah. like you, what, you weren't into like the, the blonde gimmick? guy. You're right with the, because like, the you're right because it's. Like, it's the gimmick is, is is musical, so therefore it's not actually a gimmick. So yes, you're right. They're I'm not saying. actually that gimmicky. That's, they're just weird. And but that's their thing. Like right. they are weird. They're it's weird, like unexpect. It's unexpect weird, is not someone you're going to put in your CD and in your well, I guess it's not CDs anymore. Sorry, we're using. You're not going to listen to it on your iPod and be like, yeah, I just want to listen to Unexpect because it's Unexpect. No, you listen to Unexpected. You're like, I want to listen to something weird and totally off the wall. That's DSO. Yeah, and and it's because so it's this weird blend of like. Um, it's a blend of metal swing, kind of. Yes. Although it's more the idea of swing than like an actual yeah, adaptation of swing music. And then an opera singer. Yeah. 
And I that was mean, why I was like... I think it works out really well. She's a great operatic singer. She's yeah, honestly one of the strongest operatic vocalists that's been in really metal. Just, I didn't think um, like any of the opera singing and the music and stuff You like, just didn't think it meshed much. together. Yeah, yeah it was like... It's, and there was some weirdness different. too. Like I remember... Because I, when I was looking at stuff... Uh, cellist. Don't forget about that. Yeah, there's a cellist. Yeah, there's, cellist. There was, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was thinking violinist, but there's a cellist. There's some weird yeah. shit where like the... Guitar player started scatting or something, and it was. See, I, oh, I think it's, so I think weird. it's amazing when you get stuff like that because metal needs to continue to evolve Wait, that way in order for it to sustain itself. It been unlike amazing. punk that just died oh, because it didn't evolve well, at all. That's because <laughs> punk was like designed to be stupid from the beginning. Dying, like yeah. punk was. Uh, well, and that's the. the I, I think it's the word you're looking for. Yeah. Shitty. Well, yeah. It, it's. Um, I got to do a punk versus metal episode. Oh my God. Can I do that there's one? There's <laughs> so much to say about, um, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's. There, there's a big difference between chicka, 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 my mama hates me, and. Yeah. But yeah. Diablo Swing Orchestra. Like, but yes. <laughs> I thought they were very entertaining. I very was entertaining, very entertained by them. Very different. I still have no desire to actually go and listen to yeah. a studio. Right, that album. was my problem. Like, I didn't but mind they, watching them, but yeah, I was I'll just see like. I'll them live again, but yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, their, but I was like, I can't sit down and listen better. to this. Yeah. I was like. Granted, this was in their earlier days, wasn't it? When they were playing? 2009 because yeah. they've still been around and they've they done only had some like more one stuff. Album or something. Yeah. yeah, they only had one album. So I mean, Epica did not sound very good when they first came out either. I mean, Phantom Agony arguably is a pretty good album, but most people are like consigned to oblivion. That's it for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and then they stopped after that, and they have no idea how much better they've gotten over time. Oh. Um, DSO, their some of their new stuff is actually pretty substantial. It's it's not it's not. Typical, is, do you but know this is like newer. It's different. Old? No, this is old. Okay. This is from their first album. Yeah, this is their older stuff. I loved it because it's yeah, it's phenomenal it's like, in my yeah, opinion. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's different. It's like the swing ska of metal. Swing ska. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. See, like the. Yeah, it was interesting to see on stage and look at the antics and stuff. If I was driving down the road listening to this, I'd be like, what the hell am I listening to? Which, I mean, is okay in some respect, but I mean... Well, I'm I'm always I, looking for new and different stuff, and this this tickled that that bone. You yeah, know, it's I, like, look, that's I enjoyed it, right? I mean, I yeah. I thought they're you know and I was looking forward to their set, like yeah. I had heard their you know I heard their yeah, album for like good. a year or something, yeah. and and I thought it was good, and I you know when I saw their set, I was totally satisfied. This the second album is um, was a bit of a disappointment in terms of uh, consistency, had a couple standout tracks, but the third album was superb. I mean, I really liked the third album as much as I liked the first one. Really good. So that's what I'm saying. Everyone stops at the first album and then they don't keep going and then they miss out. But I think uh, it was also that uh, for me at least the guitar was like the least interesting part of their music, and that a lot of times will just I I will just black out and Glaze forget over. forget I ever heard it. Yeah, because I was like, right. why I'll be honest with you, I'm never gonna listen to one of their albums again unless they play Proc Power again. That's cool. In which that's case, cool. I'll listen. Hey, everyone's everyone's definitely entitled to their own opinion on this stuff. There's just so much to listen to. Yeah, well, like I wasn't. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I wouldn't say like I, it's not a show. I would say I was bored for. I was just like, all right, but I'm not gonna. I, I can't sit down and listen to it. It's definitely one long. of the more unique bands I've ever played. I'm yeah, also not crazy about Free swing. Kitchen or. Well, yeah. it's better it than sounds, it's better than having another. You know prog, what it sounds like? Pro, uh, another prog or another typical power metal band if playing. It sounds like a mix yeah. of metal. 
and the like '90s swing revival. I, More than I, actual swing, it's like it's like Zoot Suit Riot. They should have done a metal cover of Zoot Suit Riot and like because that's what they're, it sounds cherry, like. That's about to happen. Cherry Poppin' Daddies. The entire Daddy, right, the, right. The entirety of this song, I'm expecting it to suddenly turn into Zoot Suit Riot, Riot, which has a better hook than any of their songs. Even though I fucking hate yeah, that right. band and yeah. that song, and I but, you know, assume they have other ones. But Squirrel Nut Zippers is a oh, huge Chapel Lord. Hill band. Oh you know, yeah, I live in Chapel oh, Hill. Oh, there, no, I, I had no idea they came from Chapel Hill. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I, well, I remember mean, they were they were popular for like five minutes. They're back. They got. They're on their. uh, (laughs) (laughs) They're already. They're already on their like nostalgia lap though. Like they're working. Are you telling me that they did like a? Unless I'm confusing them with a different. Uh, swing band. Is there like a, like a Squirrel Nut Zippers memoir now? You know, from no, I've just like fame. seen them on I don't think TV they're or together something. anymore. I, I, I might be thinking the, of a different uh, one, but there's the one of them that I recently saw was like performing at a festival or something. Catherine Catherine Whalen, the female vocalist from the band, formed her own thing, and then two of the guys uh, formed this. Oh, I'm not. No, it's not. Um, where new, I know they they formed a New Orleans jazz ensemble. So. It's uh, yeah. It's because it's not okay. Oh yeah, because it's not scrolling. It's a uh, cherry pop and daddies. Yeah, is Suit Suit Riot. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's no, what I'm I, thinking. I just, they're I they're still around, is what I meant. I'm cherry okay, pop and yeah, daddies yeah, yeah. is like, like they, I, they they were on TV or something, and they played. Zoot Suit Riot and I was like oh you have one song right of course but the point is they're still playing that one song so so um, so Prog Power 10 um, was notable for me um, and I can say this because um, well anyway I'll just say it Uh, Royal Hunt played and I think every guy in the audience uh, of that show was staring at the, uh, the two young ladies in the background it was the, like the one of, wasn't like one of them someone's daughter. Oh shit! <laughs> oh man! Well, that was impressive. <laughs> 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 Gotta watch for those cables, man. <laughs> yeah, I, they, it may have been, but that's all I remember about Royal Hunt's performance was that. So. Yeah. Oh, and that uh, the, the guy, the keyboardist, had like nineteen keyboards or something. Yeah. Oh, he yeah, was yeah. surrounded by a yeah. He had a lot of keyboards. Sea of keyboards. Um, uh, Orphan Land's performance that year was uh, a mild disappointment compared to their Prog Power 6 performance. Uh, well, they performed yeah. a lot of stuff um, from the second one. Yeah, I don't know. They just, we talked about them. Yeah. They, they, I don't know what happened. Fate's Warning. Oh, yeah. They that headlined was the Saturday Fates show. Set. Yeah. Fronted by uh, Ray Alder. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's a good show. I don't, you know, I don't give two shits about. Yeah, that was good. Going. It was a, it was a really good was set. Nick, Nick, Nick actually played yeah, keyboards so, on that show. Right. Yeah. So that was that was the uh, the sh- the uh, Fate's Warning show that uh, where you know like right after Nick had revealed you know information right, about you know right. his health information. Oh, yeah. And so you know like a lot of us were yeah we weren't expecting you know we were expecting to see him but we weren't expecting to see him the way he was. Do you want to explain what this is? So, so uh, this is yeah. Sabaton? This is Sabaton. Yeah, okay. who also played that I, year. I yeah. didn't realize we were starting to talk about Fate's Warning, so I threw on Sabaton. Right, right, right. Talk, I was about to talk about, about Sabaton, too. We can talk about, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I... 
watched about we can talk about sabaton songs how, I was like, the yeah, first you know i pretty much had the first of this well i need to tell a bit of a, kind of a story about why i don't i'm not into sabaton okay um Ooh, so they're 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 um thematic thing is war right yeah. it's like oh these war his, historical war historical battles stuff and yeah stuff. but I Starf did that too didn't they no, but Sabaton right. but they, 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 yeah. but they made it their like, whole like everything it, now this like is kind up, of a gimmick like, it's, it's their gimmick. gimmick this is gimmick, gimmick. Yes. 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 They they're, 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 armor yes. armor and their right. exactly yeah okay. kind of like Glory Hammer so they have this they had some so I when I when they were announced I was I did my my thing and I got one of the albums supposed to be like your best album and I would listen to it at work. Well, one of the songs has some had a song. One of the album. One of the songs on the album was like this song about like the the rifle rise, the rifle rise. And I'm oh. and I'm like I'm like listening to this at work, and then I'm realizing like maybe I shouldn't be listening to this at work because that could come off like. In completely the wrong way to certain yeah, people. Yeah, like, right. I know yeah. they're just like talking about it like historically. Right. But it's like, but they still, don't really, are they? Yeah. Well, aren't right? they? No, they, they, well, and here's I think here's they here's are, why. Wait, wait, but, here's what. But here's why the uh, the history thing isn't interesting to me is because it does come off as a gimmick because. A, it's your default. Every single song has to be about some historical war thing. And B, none of it makes any commentary of any kind. It's literally just telling you the what story. happened yeah. with metal tropes on top. Right. And like Which is said, an so, so for example, if you're gonna write a song about the Third Reich, maybe put something in there about how it wasn't so cool. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> right. Maybe express yeah. in your music bad. some opinion but, about that shit. But see if but they do that. Opinions. If they no, do maybe that, they're talking they about the people. fourth Reich. Like, that might be the good one. Wait, you no. Now, obviously, I, no. I, I'm I'm not a you know proponent of like uh, I don't know like uh, music makes people do bad things or whatever. But like, you're basically <laughs> saying like war is super cool because right. we wrote so we wrote all these right. songs about it. But yeah. like without any like com- like there's so much metal about war, they but it usually it has an like anti-war message, like right. fucking uh, Megadeth, right? Yes. Fucking uh, military intelligence. Right. Do words combine? Oh yeah, or, 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 yeah. But we all know right. Dave Mustaine is like super yeah. paranoid. Almost Rust in peace. But he used to be on the money about it, like yeah. Polaris, right? It was Polaris more about like, like the dangers. Of, the right? He used to be like anti-nuclear. Now he's gone crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Now and right. And so, like, exactly. So, yeah. why isn't there okay, so, one tiny bit of? So, like, I don't want. I also don't want to give the impression that 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 um, Sabaton <laughs> is writing songs <laughs> for the right. For the right, like right, they, they right. are. They are not offering commentary, but they're just reporting. But it's right. Like, that's, that's. But it's their almost thing. like it's their gimmick. Right. But, but at a certain point, right. you, like in that case, if you don't have a negative opinion about it, or you don't inject an opinion, then you're just kind of going to leave it up to the audience to the point where it's kind of like, well, you're either. Um, you know, kind of being a sellout because you don't want to limit people who's gonna, who are going to listen to it. Okay, almost, but the problem but is if you put on a song, you have to explain it. You can't just play a song yes, behind exactly, us, exactly. or people will stop listening to there us talking be and be like, "What is this song that you're playing?" So, What's the message? like, so you got to you got to you got to set it up. Is what you got to <laughs> do. Yeah. Which song play is this? I usually set up the song before I start playing it. Like, rather than surprise, guess what this is. Because you know, assume that somebody might listen to the podcast who isn't like a friend of mine for ten years. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, then it's like, hey, what's this song that's suddenly? Like, yeah. yeah all right. So uh, anyway. Yeah, so, but yeah. people people inject I was just what trying they to, will trying to move the conversation along a little bit because you but know, we were so heading what, what is this really song? Good what is this stuff song? about? About like war. Point this of is view. Fate's warning. This yeah. is point of view. This is oh, fate's okay, warning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I. It's interesting that yeah, like if you're not gonna ha- comment. On historical things, at some point you're going to hit one where it's like, 
Well, now it almost saying? sounds like you're glorifying it. Exactly. Well, yeah, Especially because all their music sounds like they're glorifying whatever they're singing about because that's just their style of music. Is, well, a right. lot well, people of, had the same yeah. had the same argument about Slayer when they did Angel of Death, right? They were like, oh my God, they're glorifying Joseph Mengele, right? But like, that Slayer. wasn't really the case, right? right? That's and not what I'm saying. Lyrics, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm right. saying is like, regardless of what their intent was, I don't want to be sitting there in my office right. at the school right. of social work where they're singing about <laughs> the right right will rise. I'm like And Slayer has a following uh, right. And if right. You, right. And if you don't and if you That's don't, why I don't go to their shows. If you don't know don't what like their gimmick is it seems really bad out of context. Right, right, exactly. And, yeah. But it's not and, just totally that. that. It's just that actually the people who are of that <laughs> mindset actually adopt and co-opt the metal scene because of this stuff that they don't give a negative commentary right. to. That's why I can't go to Slayer shows because in Georgia, do you know how many hate groups we have with the KKK there? They flock to Slayer shows. I'm not even joking. And Cannibal Corpse too. It's like, you'll yeah. go to the mosh pit, you will get killed. Right. And obviously, <laughs> obviously you can't say like, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't necessarily when you're writing a song be like I gotta make sure that nobody's gonna latch onto this the wrong way because you, right. you know you can't spend all your time worrying about right. that but at the same time you can say if you're if you're writing the Just right will rise I'm into right. your chorus you gotta be like because <laughs> like say you were like, but the, if you but were, the right was bad that's like, okay right. yeah right you exactly. that. right so like like if it was an album uh, specifically about World War II and like part of it was like that would be like see that was the thing when I heard like oh their stuff's all about historical battles and shit that could be really cool like say they like actually did like a concept album about a war and actually talked about like you know like the socio-political issues that led to it and stuff and the actual like <laughs> relevance the menace, on culture but, and know. society of a war but instead it's just like this happened this one's about uh about uh the beach at Normandy yeah. Uh, this one's about uh, like Romans and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> they had some battles in Rome or whatever. And this one's about you know yeah. This it's just about like the Gauls. Like literally the first the first song uh, I heard by them uh, uh, was one where uh, yeah I think it also is a is about uh, the Third Reich and I I I don't, I don't remember if they reference it directly but there was something where like literally the first lyric is like. You know, in 1942, and, and my two big issues, like, yeah, it, you listen to their lyrics, it sounds like they're, he's reading from a textbook. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I could see him in the studio with, like, a history textbook, it, like, underneath the mic instead of a lyric sheet. History textbook and, in pentameter And for something. some reason, he does this annoying, like, he rolls his R's so hard, like, like, like it must have been like, the Reich will rise, because that's how he fucking sings. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Okay, okay, now you have to play it. And, and yeah, now we have to listen to the right. This the is right. why we don't have All a right. lot of Jews listening to metal. All right, we yeah. should, too much clearly, we should, have, we should not have advanced the fate's warning quite yet. We'll come back to them. <laughs> it's okay. Starting the, starting the track. The following song does not reflect the opinions or beliefs of anyone involved in this podcast. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Especially the, especially the which, Jewish fellow who this uh, is, owns the podcast. Which track did you say again? Rise, Rise of Evil. Of evil okay, yeah. but this All is right. also kind of amusing because one of my favorite bands is Queensrÿche. So like, I'm used to like in high school, I would wear a Queensrÿche T-shirt and people be like, "What is this some Nazi shit?" And I'm like, "No, it's just Jewish. Like, it's what, oh it's what it's spelled well, differently, okay. and it's well, got a Y." And uh, no, it's got a Y with the umlaut too. So it's just that's that, why they wrote it's a song a y, yes, called Queen exactly. of the Reich, and then they named their band after it. And mm, yeah. All right, so this is Rise of Evil. At least it's called Rise of Evil. Right, yeah. But then maybe the, the, the chorus lyrics, should be the, lyrics the are. evil Reich will rise right. instead of just the... <laughs> <laughs> 
Sing me a song. You're a singer. <laughs> Tevin and Hell. Or Black Star. I can't sing Black Star. Because it is an instrumental. <laughs> I love the, the descriptions. Um, Wikipedia has like the theme of each song so that you know which battle it's about <laughs> and this one says about the events surrounding the creation of the Third Reich right. and the events leading to World War II from the Nazis perspective yeah that's because that's mm. what we've been missing is the Nazi perspective <laughs> on, world, on the rise of the Third Reich <laughs> see there's your problem like you're already I mean again like you can mm. hey you can do that as an artistic exercise it's just you gotta, you gotta be careful how that comes out right. like you gotta yeah, yeah. Got a probably good idea to nip that in the bud. But well, okay, so if you if you look at the track five, we burn about crimes in the Yugoslav wars from the perpetrator's perspective. <laughs> Why are they always oh, doing oh it from God. the Falkland Wars from the British perspective? The first one, there's first song, Battle of Berlin from the Soviet perspective. Although, I mean, that's oh wait, that's in World well, so, so so that's, so that's it's, the right it, side. Well, it's starting to sound like they're they're doing a specific experiment here with this album. That they're doing. They're, so. Yeah, I have a feeling that the track so. Nuclear Attack about Hiroshima and Nagasaki probably doesn't have the gravitas I would want for <laughs> something know. about that event. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I, you know, as long as they do it from the winner's perspective, right? Yeah. Mm. Well, is that the argument that they're trying to make that you only well, ever hear the winner's perspective, and maybe. that's why they're doing in this I mean, in multiple like perspectives? It. So, if in the Last context time I of the album, the Nazis didn't win World War II. If in the context of the entire album they're doing this from multiple perspectives, then you get it. But if someone just heard this song and this is knew what it was about, this is my other recurring question. issue with this band: is I feel like since that's your theme, Wait, sh- why don't you be more clear about oh, it? Okay. Hush, hush. Oh. Really? Come on. <laughs> yeah. That sounds... Oh, my God. That does Old not damn. combine well with his... Old damn. Oh, yeah. No, that is... That's yeah. so... That's scary. <laughs> it's so funny because he, he already does that always, but specifically combining it with the... It makes him sound like he's trying to do like... Like he's going to suddenly start just like breaking the German, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, that totally sounded like a, a spot-on Hitler impression. Yeah, like, oh. Uh. Yeah, it's terrifying. Okay, so, like, The Art of War, at least, like, um, had, like, a theme to it. But before that, like, that was the other thing. Like, the first three albums, they really, they're like, okay, it's about battles and stuff, but it seemed to be kind of just ran- random ones. Like, not, like, a no real connecting theme other than, you know, historical war. Yeah. Like, you know what's really cool is war. <laughs> it's like no. It's probably not as cool as you think, people. Some of these are are really amusing. T- I mean, I'm. It, it doesn't necessarily say anything about the song, but some of them like "Into the Fire" based on the use of napalm in the Vietnam War. It's like this song about napalm. <laughs> hey man, you want to talk about napalm? Talk I about a song for you. napalm. <laughs> Rise. And they have, apparently have this recurring thing of the last song just being about metal. Is that right? There's at least two <laughs> albums where the last song is, a tr- is just about metal. One's called Metal Machine, one's called Metal Crew, and they're both just like, a tribute to heavy metal or a tribute to the bands that 
help develop metal is I'm just following in the uh, in the footsteps of Judas Priest and things like that yeah, and Megadeth and Gamma Ray yeah I was just about to say the, the last person who did a heavy metal tribute was Gamma Ray and that's that's probably where it's gonna end y'all like can we not do that shit no I'm doing homophony nice. my power metal tribute to power metal <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you wanted to talk about Fate's Warning. Have we tapped? Have we tapped Sabaton? I think we've tapped Sabaton. Yeah. Fate's Warning. I think I've pretty much so had enough boring. of that. So boring. All right, so give me a, a Ray Alder Fate's Warning song. Anything off of the uh, the 12-part album. What is that? Shade, Pleasant Shade of Grey? Yeah, but I need First three tracks me, are fantastic. Okay. I was going to say, give me, give me a good right. track. So maybe yeah. I'll... Should I start with the beginning of the album? That is my favorite paint, uh, uh, Fate's Warning song. Uh, album. Album. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. I'm not exactly a compendium of Fate's Warning albums, though. I don't. That's there's only a handful that I even know. But but yeah, it's well, I mean, good. Yeah. So we can listen to a pleasant shade, right? All of them. Yeah, this is a 53 minute song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just listen to the whole thing and, you know, that'll be okay. I'm cool. I'm cool. I am actually totally cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> it no, is a really is a great, great album. album. This, is, this is a really fantastic <laughs> album. I never really got into Fate That's Warning really the only. Uh, oh, that would be a good. Uh, in a few years, that should be the next Fate's Warning special. They should get him to play a Pleasant Shade of Grey. Oh, God. Yeah. Which would come that'd to that. That would be awesome. Richard, so Richard probably come to that. Yeah, this is one of those things where I feel like Ray really uh, got a chance to demonstrate his chops. Yeah, he has some. He has some nearly not not quite acapella pieces, but like where he's just out there by himself. There's like maybe a little sound in the background. But it's not. He's not getting the support that he really needs, and he's doing just fine. Well, I mean, I thought he did great on the, was it No Exit. The first, uh, the first album yeah. he appeared on. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I'm not sure that those songs were written for him. Probably I, not. I thought he did a great job. So. Yeah. So did he? When he started out, did he have to kind of like try to mimic what? Yeah. No what exit John was basically was like Ray Alder playing John Arch for an album, yeah. and then the next album they, they really like moved on into into what they kind of sounded more right, like was with it him. Inside Out. I can't remember which. I think it like was the order of the albums. No exit, then Perfect Symmetry. Okay. Yeah, so there was Perfect Symmetry, Parallels, and Inside Out. And I can't remember what the order each of those is in. I think it's that, because it's... Um, I'm just going to look it up. Yeah, and then after that was, was this album. Yeah, so No Exit, uh, then Perfect Symmetry. Yeah, oh man, that's fun. Perfect Symmetry is, is... I mean, there's still a little bit... Like, basically... You know, they started to mellow on the crazy high stuff and use it more sparingly um, by the time they got to, like, Parallels. Um, yeah, so No Exit was Ray Alder comes in and still tries to has to sound like John Arch a little bit. And then Perfect Symmetry uh, is a little more what he's going to sound like, but with still a lot of high stuff. And then Parallels, they kind of mellow out, and it was probably their most accessible, or at least their best kind of accessible one. And then Inside Out was the, so we're going to make you the next Queensryche, but it's 1994, 
so that was a terrible idea. <laughs> and there's like some good songs on there, but there's also some kind of filler throwaway ones. And so then they they're like, well, then fuck you, we're doing a pleasant shade of gray. This is so good. Yeah, this is a great album. This is I I remember this. Me. I think either from my sophomore junior Me. college, and I was pretty much blown away by it. I came to it much later, but equally blown away. I don't know what it is about Fate's Warning, but they just continue to underwhelm me. It's very uh, I don't know down. what it is either. There isn't a lot of density to their stuff. It's, it's very not that they're bad. They're, they're not virtuoso. I mean, maybe the maybe the, the, the you know the, the actual instrumentalists are, but they don't demonstrate it in their songs. Right. It's, it's not a well. There's another no band wanker, that yeah, the riffs got. Well, that's another one where, especially when you kind of go from like earlier stuff to later, they went from that much more frenetic riffs with a lot of notes in them and stuff. You know, a lot more like. All the notes. Um, yeah, more like thrashy kind of which, 80s stuff. What year is this song from? 1997. Okay, so yeah. maybe that's the problem because the only one that I've actually taken time to listen to is their 2013 album. Yeah, I would listen to their oh. earlier yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, I've, so really, that's honestly, the problem. Parallels is like the easiest to listen to and it's really good. And they're okay. like... Uh, this doesn't sound anything like what it, I've been listening borderline to. Borderline has like hits on it, you know. Like there's some just really tight, like, like well-written Monument songs. Was on that, I think. Monuments is on Inside Out. Oh, okay. but uh, the one you just played, Point of View, right, Eye to right. Eye. Um, it has the Eleventh Hour on it, which is the long, slow build-up one, but is really good. Um, yeah, we're just a pleasure shade of gray. This whole album is. This sounds com- incredibly different from their 2013 stuff. Oh yeah, differences well, of darkness or whatever really, it's called. They uh, darkness in a new light. New light. Darkness yeah, in a different yeah, yeah, light. Yeah. So I I like every album they've put out, or at least something on it. They're one of those bands that even though like I totally I don't like it as much, and mm-hmm. I I I get why people drop off like it even fandom. less than you know or don't like it at all but i still think it's just like jim Meth- uh, Matheos is one of those guys who just i think even if he's writing a style you don't like he's still a good writer and it's gonna make it interesting yeah and so like uh here let me perfect example oh, yeah. just keep playing. <laughs> yeah we're just gonna um, keep going right so here's okay here's an example um after Okay, so after Pleasant Shade of Grey, which a Pleasant Shade of Grey itself is a very, it's really the the most or the first like totally like light on the technical stuff. Like it's really focused and there's not a, a ton of solos and there's definitely not like shreddy stuff most of the time. Um, and then Disconnected was like even more of that, like more... Like there's like the the, the the actual track disconnected is this weird kinda like almost like a noise track, just kinda this weird dissonant thing. Um Love but there was tracks. a really good Disconnected actually has a few really good tracks. It has uh Still uh Still Remains is really, really good. Um but but uh FW X or 10 or whatever was the first one where, well actually no, a lot of people didn't like Disconnected either but um, FW coming after is coming after this album Disconnected was very different I think right people wanted I mean they were it was the first I album I recall people being blown away by this album yeah 
right? And then Disconnected came out, and it was kind of like, you know, the, the reaction that uh, that the congregation got compared to Cole, right? Cole was a very cohesive right. album. It was, you know, yes. you, 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 I mean, you could obviously listen to singles on that album, but, I mean, it was mainly meant to be listened to from beginning to end, and it was a, you know, like a single, almost like a single piece of music, right? Yeah. Whereas the congregation was a sequence of songs, yeah. Right. And I, it, you know, like that was the problem with Disconnected. I think a lot of people were expecting something more, um, I'm not going to say coherent, but but more cohesive. Yeah. And here's what's really weird about it, too. So it's it's got these two weird bookend songs, right? Disconnected Part 1 and Part 2, which are instrumentals, which kind of makes you feel like it's all going to be connected. But then you get one uh, and Pieces of Me, which are both like short, almost like radio friendly songs. Um, and almost in a very modern, like the riffs aren't, it's, uh, not really new metal, but almost like that modern post new metal kind of like, uh, you know, just like, you know, you can do really simple. Like I think, uh, one is just this really simple riff, which they still play it. It's an okay song, but, um, you know, so it's got that kind of thing where, yeah, a lot of people were like, where's, you know, uh, modern in a way they didn't really want for face warning, but then you got... Uh, so uh, something from nothing and still remains. Something from nothing is 11 minutes. Still remains is 16 minutes, and I think those are the best tracks on there. Really, still remains. Like that, still remains is a really, really good song. And basically, I didn't when Disconnected came out. I didn't like it at all, and I didn't, and so I didn't listen to it. But then eventually, someone was like, "Still remains." I think someone on the, the Queensrÿche channel was like, "But dude, still remains is really good." And so I was like. Let me give that another listen, and then I kind of I got into it more. And I started to appreciate the album a little more, but it's still, yeah, it, it feels dis- it feels disconnected. Oh shit! <laughs> Maybe that was on purpose. Meta. Maybe it was all on nice. purpose. But uh, uh, the Face Warning Ten or X, whatever, is probably the weakest of the the later stuff. But it still has some really good songs on it, and I still really like some of the songs. It's not sort of not as much front to back. And then, uh, and then after that, that was 2004, and they didn't do anything for nine years, and Darkness in a Different Light. Um, I thought Darkness in a Different Light was really good. I, I liked it more than the previous one, and more than two-thirds of Disconnected, I would say. So the, um, the kickoff that year was Future Zen, Suspire, Enchant, and Primal Fear. And, um, the only, I mean, for me, the notable thing with that was Future Zen, which kind of blew everybody away. Um, and everybody, it had Steve Giorgio in it. The guy they were going to say that everybody blew them <laughs> afterward, but yeah, but yeah, whatever. Anyway, so um, it was it was pretty good, and everybody put up at the CD. But they've just kind of like not done anything since, not that I know of. Anyway, well, it was kind I of mean, a one-off. That's thing. not unusual. No, it's not. So, it's not, but yeah, yeah, it's good set. So, uh, yeah, so we've now pretty much completed 2009. I think we right. should uh, should uh, maybe stop yeah. here since we need oh, to. Oh, yeah, uh, it's all, you're right. It's almost time to. Oh, no, can we, we talk about Blackguard? They're, they're at 11 in, in 2010. No, I'm just kidding. We, we don't have to talk about <laughs> yeah, Blackguard. No, let's not. Except the fact that the guy just kept throwing up in the bushes. Oh, but he was so hammered. Oh, it was so much fun. He was throwing up in what? The guy, the bassist from Blackguard. Oh no! Was throwing up at the party? Or Maybe what? that was the guy from Oceans of Sadness. Anyway, one of the one of the bands playing at this. eleven was he, he just basically got like hammered every night, and one night he would just throw up in the bushes. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Blackguard because they were oh, like right. local and they're like a last minute edition. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, so we covered the uh, the first ten anyway, so we can pick up from eleven. Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, that's just a preview.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate or review us on iTunes. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or yourmusicisbad.com. Follow me on Twitter at the one true Matt and the podcast at YMIB Podcast. If you have any suggestions or hate mail for us, send it to YMIBpodcast at gmail.com.